After spending five years in the streets as a vendor, I realized that each man is in charge of whether they make it or break it in business. I've put together pragmatic business nuggets for entrepreneurs that have sustained me in the most uncertain economic times. Join me on this journey to impart this business wisdom to the movers and shakers. Together, let's build a strong network of entrepreneurs who break limits. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the very first episode of Ask Jerry the Chartered Vendor, and this is season one. Now, if you're looking for business content that speaks to the needs of your business, probably you have something in mind. Maybe it was one of your goals for 2022 to start something, or you've already started. Well, join this conversation as we take nuggets from the man who has walked the talk. His name is Jerry. Jerry. Greetings and welcome to Ask Jerry. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So, Jerry, I picked up a paper and I saw something that was rather interesting. Yes. So, the headline reads, uh, Government regularizes Glenview Home Industry. So, basically what's happening, I know you can always read the article from the Herald. That's where we took the article from. But from what I was speaking from the newspaper, the mm -hmm. government has decided to, to regularize that uh, market. Uh, yeah. The furniture uh, market by, by Glenville. What's your take on that? Uh, thank you so much, Steve. I think that actually means a lot to me. Since uh, you know that I did my vending in Glenview. Mm -hmm. So I also stayed in Glenview, I think from 2005 up to 2009. So I, Glenview means a lot to me. So it's actually something which I want to applaud the government for regularizing the Area 8. Because the reason being is uh, those people now, they are now able to also know that uh, they can even develop the place now. You know, there was an issue of fires. I think you've heard a lot of things being destroyed, a lot of furniture being destroyed. So it's a, it's a win to the vendors. I think all those carpenters also are part of the vending community. And this, this, these are the places or these are the industries which can develop our economy. I remember, even in China, those kind of industries, they participated in actually building the industrial revolution of, of China. So if the government is going to support uh, people in the Glenview Area 8, people in Gaza land, those are, those, that's where the economy is. Remember, we're in an economy whereby small to medium enterprises are dominating. Hence, if those people, they start getting regularized, they can also now get also to be fully registered. They can now also participate even in tenders, ETC. That will only develop our economy, and uh, I would like to thank the government for actually doing that. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to poke holes into, you know me, I'm a man of controversy. <laughs> I want to understand, uh, this is not the only place uh, in Zimbabwe yes, that yes. had people were operating such a Informal, setup. Yeah. Right. So are they going to do the same thing to every city? Because what I've noticed is, every city it's yes, got but that place. Exactly, exactly. Every city has got that place in Zimbabwe. So are we going to have a movement by the government to say, let's uh, regularize the operations of such areas that are popular per town or per city? Yeah, yeah, that is a nice question. But I think the government is also supposed to regularize everything. Because if the government is going to collect taxes for the fixed fiscals, they have to really regularize that. They have to bring those people 
to uh, for them to pay rentals because if they start paying rentals it means that's money which is going to the city council and the city council that money will find its way to the government purse but if they are going to just leave those people maybe because i heard that in Greenview 8 people were taking advantage of uh, those uh, people were renting and the barons were taking money from those people maybe using political muscles or or other shenanigans but that, that I think is going to develop our industry. I, I would also want to encourage government to find places which are in Sakuba, Beaten Barre, all those places. I would rather pay to the government than actually paying to these barons. So it's, it's, a, it's a wise move and I believe that uh, the government is going to take steps, maybe through the Ministry of Small and Medium Enterprises, to regularize all these places and the city council has also done a, a good job. Okay, so I was going through the article in, in, in finer detail and they were mentioning the existence of a committee that exactly. is responsible for collecting the money <laughs> and then submitting it to council. Now, you just spoke about barons. You know, this, we had the same issue when they tried to regularize the operations of the combis. Exactly. And then that was the birth of rank marshals. Yeah? Exactly. And it became so chaotic and it became like a mafia kind of setup. So aren't we going to have that committee as a barrier to entry for new people or new entrepreneurs who are skilled in that regard, who want to penetrate mm. and operate in that vicinity? Are we not going to then have those people being a barrier, that committee being a barrier to entry? Because they're now in charge of collecting the people from the money from the people and then submit it to council. Yeah, where there's money, yeah, there are bound to be problems. But I, what I think is what they're just supposed to do is to make these people maybe are renting pay directly maybe through the city council or directly to the government i think that will actually help in terms of transparency because these kind of committees where we, we had them before and we ended up hearing a lot of stories money being misplaced money being used for other things and some money is uh, disappearing from the from that from the, the, those places so what i would want to encourage the government Yes, it's a good it's a good idea. I think we've stepped one step into the right direction, but I believe that maybe they find a way to do away with the committees and make sure that the government itself is actually in charge. Okay. Yeah, but I hope maybe they've put systems, maybe auditing systems. But I know uh, most of where there is actually someone between the government or the council, <laughs> they are bound to be uh, stories. Okay. Like what we noticed with the land land issues exactly a lot of land most of the people they lost a lot of money uh, houses being destroyed true. but someone was uh, saying he's representing the government mm -hmm. but it ended up that these people are just land barons yes. so i think the government is to avoid this kind of uh, issues so they represent the government in amassing money from the general populace but then when chaos breaks in those particular systems they don't want to stand up for the people they run away Interesting. <laughs> so i want you to tell me something about your your stay in the vending business mm -hmm. uh, did you have such kind of people who would say jerry this is my spot i own the whole stretch of this road if you want to vend you have to pay me a little something on a daily basis if you want to put your store here then you have to pay me something because i own this stretch of road did you ever uh, face any uh, of those yeah i didn't face it uh, but some of the people they faced it because uh, remember i was vending in front of the police station mm -hmm. uh it was uh 
it's called Glenview or Budiriro Police Station. So there was no one who was occupying that That's place crazy. and someone was saying this place is mine or yes, people would try to claim ownership, but I, I would lie if I say people were coming to collect uh, rentals uh, because we're owning this store. But when we moved to Glenview 4 also, it was a city council space. So uh, remember, I think uh, late 2008-2009, we're not doing our vending at Glenview 4. We're no longer doing it at exactly corner Patrenda and Willowville because the Willowville proceeds into Glenview 4 shopping center. So we moved, everyone was moved now because police was now so strict and they removed everyone at corner Patrenda and Willowville into the Glenview 4 shopping center. We never faced any problems. But yes, being a vendor is difficult. Being a vendor is a Tory time. I feel even for the guys who are in Glenview, it's hard to be a vendor. It's not easy. Yes, it's easy to say, but most of the people, they are, they are surviving on vending. So I believe that also the government is to find ways of supporting the vendors. Because end of the day, I also believe that I'm a vendor and everyone else is a vendor. Because you start by selling something, everyone is selling something end of the day in Zimbabwe because of our economy. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about vending, the informalized sector of things. Now let's dive into the corporate space where we want the bulk of our entrepreneurs to then migrate to eventually after finding their feet or their niche that they can service professionally. Yeah. Uh, we also have these big guys in the corporate space, you know, the big boys eh, uh, who want to take advantage of our small players by presenting uh, rigorous uh, barriers to entry, mm. not by specifically giving regulation because they're not regulators, mm. but they make uh, entry into that business or that industry difficult, difficult yeah. by all means to the point where some of them they literally sell their products at a loss mm -hmm. just to try mm -hmm. and stop a new player from getting into the market and they are popularly they are popularly known as monopolies mm -hmm. right let's talk about monopolies in, in zimbabwe i know a yeah, in, in, in zimbabwe yes there's monopoly in certain sectors if we talk of telecoms i think we only have three operate three regulated operators in the telecoms uh but other sectors i think they were opened when the when there was the land reform i think that afterwards most of the big companies they left zimbabwe uh or some of them they actually uh they they downsized i think it's it's opened for the small players or the informal sector People had an opportunity because remember, even these offices which are occupying in Samora Mashewa, I think it was a taboo owning an office before 1998 in, in, in this kind of uh, street because this is our whole street of Zimbabwe. And also, I don't believe that uh, price can be a barrier of entry because uh, what I think is people they don't buy because of price, but people buy because of quality and value. I'll give you an example. I think it was a long time. Uh, we used to have supermarkets. We've got our OKTM ETC. But when pick and pay came, these guys, they are providing value. Because people, they, they go where value is. It's never about I'm black or I'm small, so you should buy from me. Or you're my friend, you need to support me. Every customer is following value. So as entrepreneurs, as people are aspiring to get into business, we should know that price is not a factor. 
most of the people they think that if i'm going to lower my price i'm going to take all the clients or i'm going to take all the customers which is wrong yes it's a strategy which can be used by big companies but if you use that even when you're small you're going to die stupid so you rather sell on value look at our just to check the standards of pick and pay their stores their supermarkets are world class the way they are going to service you is also world class they train their own people but to go to our tax shops in downtown you are even afraid to buy because they are always looking around for pickpockets so you, we need now to maintain and to have standards and to build value because people are never going to purchase the product but people purchase the value the way if you ever enter different boutique someone doesn't even greet you they don't even greet you they don't even see you as a customer they play loud music they play loud music and they're actually on whatsapp so that is what we are supposed to eliminate if you are going to compete against the, the big players but i'm happy in zimbabwe we now have a lot of small companies just imagine in construction how many small companies have now occupied that space previously it used to be occupied by the giants if you look at the road construction which is happening in Masingo road how many local companies are in there that's something which is we should applaud the government for and it's an opportunity for us and anyone in zimbabwe right now we are registering over 12000 companies a year which is a lot so i'm saying us as small companies the people who are getting into entrepreneurs through entrepreneurship yes i think yes monopoly is there but in zimbabwe i think the economy has been liberalized okay so in that regard i would want to ask you about uh, specifically the the fast food industry uh, uh, uh. <laughs> where we see uh, a holding company imp- actually they're importing brands that are from outside, outside yeah. and bringing in, in, in bringing them in, in zimbabwe Nando's is not a Zimbabwe it's brand. It's not a Zimbabwe brand, so, yeah. <laughs> Roku Mamas is not a Zimbabwe, it's a Zimbabwe brand. brand. So, is that not creating a barrier to entry for the young players or because I want to start my own kitchen uh-huh. and I'm going to run probably 2 years on that one franchise only or what that one branch only before I can expand to other cities. And now we have somebody who's just got big muscle. <laughs> then they flood the whole market with a foreign based uh, franchise. Yeah, 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 thank you for that. I think yeah, that is a tricky one. Yeah, Insco is a giant mm-hmm. and those guys they've got a financial muscle and they can but I, we've seen a lot of uh, our own people uh giving them a run of their money. I think one of them is shout out to uh, Tawanda Mchikeberi, uh, chicken, chicken slice. slice. Yeah. I think he gave them a tory time. Uh-huh. And right now also I think chicken slice is actually here to stay. And also with what our eat, eat and lick they're trying their best I think they've got a lot of branches now in in Zimbabwe those people they are trying to push and to occupy the space yes a giant can come in but you should have a strategy against a giant whereby now you should maybe niche marketing you should know maintaining standards like what Tawanda Mchikeberi did I think I also wrote that about that in my book the Chat Adventure this guy started in Vuma and he noticed that there's a gap what can I do? Let me work with the, uh, the conductors and the drivers of the, these buses which are going to South Africa. What did he do? He managed, he noticed that, all oh, these buses, they can come, they can park. It's business for him. 
So that's how he started. Imagine someone starting from Vuma right now is now occupying Harare. Is now is now I think he's got it about three, four branches, five branches in Harare. That's that's something which we should applaud and uh, maybe the government now for for they should also support that those kind of businesses maybe by giving loans etc for them to also fight against the big giants like insco because those guys <laughs> they've got a financial muscle to buy that is uh, they can maintain like even the chickens uh, i think that the ones are also owning ivins yes they the guys are owning they've got farms for potatoes oh, they've yes. got everything oh yes exactly so I, I, and also in school, it's a giant and those guys, they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in that respect, let's talk about uh, the value chain. Yeah. It seems like they've invested themselves up the value chain where they now control the supply, the raw materials to the whole industry. Exactly. How important is um, quickly navigating up the ranks of the supply chain for entrepreneurs who are just starting? Yeah, thank you so much. I think it's a strategy which I would like to term uh, it's kind of a blue ocean strategy as well. You know, uh, yes, when you're in a red ocean, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of blood in the red ocean. Blue ocean, you lost me. Blue ocean, we're saying, is um, you're trying to move into the markets whereby there's no competition. There are a lot of barriers of entries. Or sometimes by the nature of how we are now, uh, like what he did, uh, what Insco did with their, their, the value chain which you're talking about, whereby they're controlling the chickens, then they are also controlling the potatoes. So which means even your competitor sometimes is going to buy potatoes from you. So it means they are now occupying, that's a blue ocean and it's difficult now for your competitor to also invest into potatoes. It's going to be difficult for your competitor to build something like Ivins. It's very difficult. So that's now a blue ocean. And I also give you an example of a blue ocean. Look at Padenga. Those guys, they do crocodile skin. Yes. And who else is occupying that space? There's no one. Nobody. And how can you uh, to invest in one crocodile farm? It's a lot of money. And you need maybe to also go to Kariba and have your farm. So that's a, that's an area which is difficult to, to get into. So that's a blue ocean strategy. Whereby always in the blue oceans, it's quiet. The water is blue. But in the red oceans, there's blood because there's a lot of fighting. So that's a blue ocean strategy for you. So I'm saying value chain is very important. And as you are also occupying space as a, a young and maybe old Zimbabwean uh, entrepreneurs or the SMEs, we should strive to always, always be innovative, uh, grow, make sure that if you find an opportunity, even within or outside your business, try to grab that opportunity. Don't be stuck into, even me, when I started in 2015, I think we just registered companies. That's what we were doing. But we noticed a lot of gaps. Whereby we noticed that, no, I think marketing is also can sell. Sales can sell. And every day I've, uh, I've made it a point that every year we're introducing something which is new and we are getting into the value chain. And we can now even uh, supply our competitors. Because the goal in business is to make sure that the people we are competing with, they can also buy from you. Interesting, interesting. 
And ladies and gentlemen, and this is Ask Jerry the Chartered Vendor, and we are now getting into a very interesting segment which is called Ask Jerry. So what happens in this segment is we take uh, messages from social media and if you want to be part of the conversation, it's uh, Jerry Nyazungu on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and other social media platforms that include YouTube. So if you want to be part of this conversation, just send a question through there and we will make it a point that we discuss it on our next episode. So let's move on. Uh, welcome back to the segment that we call Ask Jerry, where we are getting feedback from our social media. So, Jerry, the first question that I have for you, uh-huh. it's coming from Sean. Sean is in Mandara. He's uh, asking that, what is the minimum transaction I can do before Zimra can claim the withholding tax because my business is too small to be paying tax? <laughs> ah, okay. I, I think uh, maybe that question is not a bit clear, but I'll try to answer it. Uh-huh. So when you've got a small business, it now depends whether you are registered as a taxpayer at Zimra. So the law says if you register a company, that's if your company is registered, you are supposed to register with Zimra within 30 days. That's mandatory. Whether even if you want to trade or if you don't want to trade uh, that current time. So you're supposed to register with Zimra. Then if you've got an invoice or if you're going to supply invoices to someone, Maybe you are going to, let's say, for invest for $1,000 or more, you are supposed to be withholding tax. That's if that person doesn't have a what? A tax clearance. So what we are saying is, like, if you if I supply $1,000 to Steve, eh? Steve, maybe I'm supplying goods for $1,000 to Steve, I'm going to invoice Steve. If I invoice Steve, then I don't have a tax clearance. Steve has got a right, if he is a registered taxpayer, to withhold 30% from me. From that transaction. From that transaction, which means is you have to remove $300 and submit it to what? To Zimra. You see? Or if I can do business with Steve, maybe uh, not $1,000 on one invoice. Maybe I'm going to do $300, $300, $300, but it's going to exceed $1,000 also. I'm now supposed to also withhold that the 30% and give it to Zimra. But Sean didn't specify whether he was registered. If he's not registered, other sectors, they are supposed to pay what is called presumptive tax. I think you've heard of uh, the barber shops, the hairdressers, the combis, the taxi drivers, then the taxi, the taxis, they are supposed to pay what is called the presumptive tax. So tax, yes, we have to pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Money from our taxes is what is going to build our roads, our zesa, water. It is interesting. And then I also have another one from Isabel. Isabel is tuning in from Kwe uh, Kwe. Interesting. So interesting, yeah. she's asking, how do I find a partner for registering my company as a PLC since it is a requirement that there should be two directors for a PLC to be incorporated? Uh, thank you so much. So a PLC is a private limited company. Uh, in Zimbabwe, I think we've got three types of company, which is private limited, public, uh, and then we've got a public company. Those are your companies which are listed at the stock exchange. Then we lastly, we've got what is called a PBC. It's a private business corporation. So uh, that one was established uh, in the act. It was included in the, com- in the Companies Act or in the constitution 
1993 in order for small players to also get uh, involved in business they wanted to promote the informal sector to regularize anyway on the private limited company the director you can be one shareholder and the shareholder can be a human being can even be a school a political party or even a church can be a shareholder in the company but you need at least two directors uh, because one person cannot find cannot be a board because we need a board of directors in a private limited so you need two people so i would encourage uh, her to find someone she really trusts because it's all about trust remember this is someone who's going to represent your company so you want someone who is close to you someone who you know and someone who you trust but anyway the law also uh, allows you to register with someone but you can you're also allowed to fire that someone because he, she is the sole shareholder in that kind of company so she should be afraid to employ because when you're a director you're more like a senior employee in a company so yes a shareholder you've got a right and also you are the managing director you've got a right to remove other director by the virtue of you being the majority shareholder so i think she's so supposed to be afraid you can go on and actually register a company maybe find someone who you trust and it's, it's usually tricky some of the people they bring their relatives some they bring their friends um but end of the day so find someone who you can remove and even if it's your mother i always say you need to hire someone who you can fire <laughs> interesting line right there then the last question for the segment it's coming from uh i'm not getting the name but they are they are from south africa they are zimbabwean but in south africa so they are now asking i want to return home how do i start a business in the zimbabwean economy oh thank you so much i'm good oh i've been getting these questions in my inbox a lot of them the problem is people they are asking me about the industries they can invest in zimbabwe unfortunately I can't tell someone to invest in a certain sector but for them to get into Zimbabwe Zimbabwe is a land of opportunities you know a country which has got a lot of problems it is also plenty of opportunities so people they are missing out i've dealt with more than 4500 entrepreneurs i know most of the people who registered companies in 2016 some of them they are now millionaires in this kind of economy so what i want to say to them is it depends on the tie the capital which we have but it's not about capital it's about an idea if that person has got an idea and passion for whatever they want to do let them invest into zimbabwe and i encourage them to first by registering a company maybe also finding an office or even try business online whilst they're still in, in, in south africa to see whether whatever they are going to venture into is that business going to find traffic because remember it's not about the product or the quality of the product which you are going to supply or the quality of the service but it's about getting the customer okay so it's not easy these days we are living in a technological world and we no longer have bound by these boundaries and these borders these country borders they are now artificial you can use your facebook to I start advertising your products see if you are having that traffic if anyone is actually asking for those products that's a sign go for it make sure that you actually establish a business i hope this person is going to also have a business in zimbabwe zimbabwe is a land of opportunity we also need to eradicate or to reduce our unemployment rate 
and I hope he's going to participate in doing this. Ah, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of the segment, uh, Ask Jerry, and also, sadly, the end of the entire show. Now, thank you so much for sticking with us this long. It would really help us if you could uh, provide feedback for us in the comment section. And whilst you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to this channel and like this video so that we can continue giving you more awesome curated content that speaks to your needs. Otherwise, from me to you, it's a goodbye. See you next time.